Psalm 118. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we come to you this morning truly rejoicing. This is the day that you have made, and we uh, are rejoicing and are glad in it. We are rejoicing in knowing uh, your tremendous love for us, uh, that from before the foundation of the world, you have set that, that uh, electing love upon us, and then you secured our relationship with you by sending your Son to live the perfect life on our behalf, and then to take our sins upon himself on the cross and to die the death that should have been ours. But Lord, you then raised him again from the dead that he might live again, that we might live again. Lord, we rejoice in what you have done uh, for us in Christ Jesus. And we come this morning to worship and adore you. We pray that it would be pleasing. We make our prayer this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, let's uh, turn to hymn number 277. And uh, this, this is one of those hymns that you see starts on the, uh, that's a C, right? It's pretty low. And it goes up pretty high there on the, on the third line. So, uh, <clears throat> so do the best you can along with me, okay? Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high, Alleluia. Sing ye hands and earth reply, has burst the gates of hell. Alleluia. Death in vain forbids his rise. Alleluia. Christ has opened paradise. Alleluia. Lives again thy sting. Alleluia. Once he died our souls to save. Alleluia. Where thy 
victory, O grave, alleluia. So we now, where Christ has led, alleluia. Falling on our exalted head, alleluia. Made like Him, like Him we rise, alleluia. Arms across the grave, the skies, alleluia. silent private confession in your own hearts. Let's confess our sins. Almighty God, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that we are unworthy of your redeeming grace. We have not believed your promises, nor trusted in our living Lord. Through disappointment of mind and dejection of spirit, our hearts have not burned within us as we have heard his word. We have not trusted in his redeeming power, we have been overcome of evil. We have forgotten the glad tidings of his victory over death and have not known the things that belong to our peace. But now in penitence we come to you, beseeching your forgiveness. Mercifully grant us absolution from all our sins and restore unto us the joy of your salvation. For Jesus Christ's sake, our only mediator and advocate. forgiven based on the work of Christ uh, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen it is God who justifies who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died and more than that is raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us thanks, thanks be, be to God, God through Jesus Christ, Christ our Lord now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ Christ himself is our peace he is risen he is, he is risen, risen indeed. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, 
especially remember uh, the, the families of, of uh, Jean and Ruth uh, this time. A, a, a difficult week? Yes. I just have a prayer request. Okay. Friend of mine, wife's brother, her husband, battling. He's had been on dialysis and he's been in the hospital. But like everything else now, she can't be well. Mm. But I think all the family have come down to see COVID overnight. He may still be with us, he may not. Okay. He's afraid a little father. We know he's been in pain, he's been suffering. So, not free. I don't want, didn't want her to suffer anymore. So, I'm just pray that the will of God will be done and peace to be here. Then, we suffer so much. Let's pray. Father, we come in uh, trying times this morning. We come. Uh, recognizing that uh, uh, the world is uh, in, in chaos in many ways. Um, people are uh, all around the world are extremely stressed about this pandemic. Uh, Lord, I pray that your people would be comforted this morning in, in your sovereignty in all things, knowing that you have numbered our days and that uh, you are in control of that when we pass from this life, we pass into your presence, and that is a, a glorious thing. So, Lord, I pray that you would comfort your people, even in the midst of these trying times, to remember that. We do pray uh, this morning for uh, the Rogers family. It was quite a shock to us this week, and yet we know that uh, Ruth is, even at this time, uh, rejoicing together in, with, with the saints and the angels in your presence, and what a glorious thought that is. That she has by sight now, she had by faith in this life. So I pray, Lord, this morning that even in their time of grief, you would comfort the entire Rogers family to remember that uh, she is, uh, even as, as Paul said, for him to, to depart this life was, was better by far. And so, Lord, I pray that you would remind them of this. I pray for the Tut family as well, for Jean, to, who has been here uh, almost since our, our church began and now... And now she has gone home to be with you as well. And I know that that is difficult on the family, especially on Harold, Lord, there. Um, been married to her 71 years, I believe. And uh, now she's gone. And I know that it is difficult on him, especially being there in the assisted living facility where uh, family can't come in and, and visit. I do thank you that they are allowing Leanne to come in uh, at least a little bit to, to see him and comfort him. So, Lord, I pray that uh, he would know um, the comfort of your presence with him and the comfort of your promises uh, for Gene at this time. Lord, I pray for uh, Don's friend who uh, he had mentioned in, in their whole family. Uh, we don't know exactly the, all of the situation, but know that he is uh, suffering uh, severely and that it may be time to call him, uh, that you're calling him home as well. And I pray that uh, even during this time, that especially this day, when we think especially about the resurrection of our Lord, that they might remember that uh, those who are your children uh, are raised to new life and, and will be raised at the returning of our Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you will remind them of this uh, today and comfort them in these trying times as well. Lord, we pray uh, for others in our congregation. Some who are hurting physically, some who are hurting emotionally, some who are hurting financially, some who are hurting spiritually. Lord, you know uh, what our greatest needs are, and you are the one 
who provides for what we need, even as you provide for the birds, the air, the lilies, the field, you, you provide for us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of this, uh, this day. I pray, that, Lord, now that as we uh, continue in this time to uh, open your word and to hear from you what you have to say to us from your word, that we would, that, that you would uh, help us to be built up and encouraged by the truth of the resurrection of our Lord. And that, that that encouragement might stay with us not only today, but throughout this, this next week and the weeks and months and years to come until the return of our Lord. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Well, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be reading the first 11 verses. Could read the whole thing. Um, you know, certain chapters get marked for certain things in Scripture. You think of the love chapter. You think First Corinthians thirteen. You think of the the roll call of the faithful. You think of Hebrews chapter eleven. And uh, but here, if you want to think about the great resurrection chapter, this is it. First uh, Corinthians fifteen. And so uh, I want us to read the first eleven verses now. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you're saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most uh, of whom are still living, even though some have fallen asleep. He has appeared to James and to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me has not, was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace, God, uh, the grace of God that was, given, that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. Thus far, reading of God's word. Well, today we, we think of as Resurrection Sunday. We call it Resurrection Sunday, um, Easter. Um, it's, it's the one Sunday a year when we come apart from the world to, to think specifically of the resurrection. But in, in reality, every Sunday is, is Resurrection Sunday. We, we come here because of what we're celebrating, especially this day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now... I think that this should be the most encouraging thing uh, to us as believers is a resurrection Christ. It has a, it's the thing that should give us the greatest joy. And, all, and, and in fact, this is what Christianity is about. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there is no such thing as Christianity. And so this morning, um, I want us to, to think about this. And I want us to think about the reasons why we believe in a resurrection. Um, there are many in our day who say, you know what, 
when people die, they don't stay dead for three days and then come back to life. That's impossible. It doesn't happen. It can't happen because it's an impossibility, especially in these days in the 21st century and age of science. And we look to science for so many things. And we look to science uh, for getting us out of this whole coronavirus thing. And, uh, and, and, and we see day after day they're changing their minds on different things. So, I mean... But science will look at this and go, that's not possible. Dead people don't come back to life. I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a skeptic myself at times. It's, and it's kind of hard to believe that a person would be put to death in the manner that Jesus would put, be put back to death and come back to life. But I do. I absolutely believe that. And you can too. And I believe that as we look at the evidence for it, the evidence for the fact that Jesus came back to life even after he had been put to death, then the evidence is overwhelming and anyone who would look at it with an open mind would have to come to this conclusion. So this morning I want to uh, discuss kind of briefly four major reasons for believing, uh, four major points, evidence that point us to the fact that Christ really is risen from the dead. The first thing is the resurrection was proclaimed by the first Christians and all Christians since that time. There is no question that they believed that Jesus was actually dead and he came back to life. In Acts chapter 2, we have Peter's sermon. This is within a couple of months of Jesus' uh, resurrection. And it's in the same city where it happened. And here's Peter preaching in Jerusalem. Uh, it, we find it in Acts chapter 2. And there he's proclaiming that Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead. Now you know if the religious leaders didn't want to hear this and they didn't want Peter preaching that, all they've got to do is take Peter and the rest of those who are listening to his message and take them to the tomb and say, he's still in there. You can roll the stone away and go in there and look. This they did not do. Peter's preaching it within two months of the event proclaiming it is the truth. 1 Corinthians 15, which uh, 1 Corinthians is, is quite possibly the earliest letter that we have in the New Testament. It was written within 15 to 20 years after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And here, uh, Paul talks about him, uh, the, uh, Jesus, after he's raised from the dead, he's appearing to uh, all the apostles. He doesn't mention the women, but... He, but uh, we find the Gospels, he first appears to the women. And now uh, he's appearing to all the apostles. And Paul says something interesting here. It's the only place we have it in Scripture. He says at one time he appears to 500, at least 500 of the brothers. And then he says something interesting about him appearing to the 500 of the brothers. He says most of them are still alive. Although some of them have died, most of them are still alive. Now why would Paul say that? He's saying that to say, go check with them. Go check with them. They saw him. They'll tell you that it is the truth. He is risen from the dead. Now, a lot of people will say, well, they just weren't scientifically minded back then. They weren't as skeptical of these sorts of things as they should believe. They were always believing in miraculous things to happen. I want to tell you that's not the case. You remember when the apostles first heard from the women that Jesus was raised from the dead? This can't be. They run to the tomb, to, you know, a couple of them run to the tomb to see that it's empty themselves. And they can't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Um, Jesus, even when he, later that day, when he meets with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they can't believe that they, they, they think this is all just so confusing. 
And it's not until Jesus sits to eat with them and prays that, that, that their eyes are open to see that this indeed is Jesus. They were skeptical. Um, Thomas says, you know, he wasn't with the disciples later that night when the rest of them heard or saw Jesus. And they tell Thomas, he goes, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I can put my finger in the palms of his hands and my hand in his side. I just won't believe it. He was skeptical. People just don't do that. Later, many years later, in Acts chapter 17, Paul's speaking in Athens, the Areopagus. And there he's telling them about Jesus. They love new theories about and philosophies of life. And so they're all listening intently to Paul. Until he gets to the point where he says that God raised Jesus from the dead. At that, they start laughing and sneering at him and saying, you know what, this doesn't happen. Dead people don't get out. They were as skeptical as we are today. And so there were skeptics that day. It's not that they just believed in the miraculous where we know it's not the truth. And yet, from the very start, they believed that Jesus was physically raised from the dead, just as we still do today. The second reason is the many eyewitnesses to the bodily resurrection. Paul here tells us about the 500. And as we've already mentioned, he says uh, many of them are still alive. Go ask them. There were so many eyewitnesses uh, to this. And there is no historical evidence anywhere that anyone who actually saw Jesus raised from the dead ever denied it. In fact, many of them went to their own deaths, continuing to believe it and to teach it. I saw him raised from the dead. Well, if you don't stop saying this, we're going to put you to death. Well, you just have to put me to death, right? And so every one of the apostles suffered because of it, and all but John are martyred because of it. And John, of course, as you know, was, was uh, sent to uh, um, sent off to the Isle of Patmos as his punishment. They tried to kill him, by the way, by pouring uh, hot stuff down his throat. We didn't kill him. But, um, all of them suffered because of their witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Not one of them ever changed their story. Third thing, and I think that this is, this is uh, pretty much impactful to me, that the, the disciples were so sorrowful. They've been with Jesus for three years. They believe he is the Messiah. They believe he is the one who's going to come and become the king of Israel. They, the one they've looked for all of their lives, he is here now. And they have followed him for three years, and they've become quite close eating and sleeping and listening to his teaching and, and, and talking to him on a daily basis. And then they see him hanging on a cross, dying this brutal death. And they know he's dead and they grieve. And rightfully so. They grieve tremendously, just as we grieve when one of our loved ones passes away. And that grief doesn't go away real quickly. Um, even at years after my mom's death, and I'm sure all you've had people who have died, long after they've died, we still grieve their death. Now, if I saw my mom walking down the aisle right here, right now, you know what? My attitude would change just like that. She was dead, but she's alive. Wow, I can hug her, I can kiss her, I can talk to her. The disciples' grief terms like that. From being full of grief and despair of life and when they see Jesus raised from the dead, it turns to joy. What could do that? But Jesus really appearing to them raised from the dead. 
Fourth thing. So the first one was it's been proclaimed for first century Christians um, on to the day. Uh, second, there's so many eyewitnesses. Third, their, their sorrows turn so quickly to joy. And fourth is an empty tomb. Fourth is an empty tomb. Uh, obviously, the early Christians were claiming that Jesus was no longer dead, that he'd come back to life. All the Jewish officials would have had to have done would be to take them to the tomb and show them his body and say, no, he hasn't stopped this foolishness. That they did not do. Instead, what did the Jewish leaders do? When they find the, <clears throat> the guards who are guarding the tomb, they said, here's what you say. You say that his disciples came last night and stole his body while we were sleeping. That argument won't stand in a, in a court of law, right? You can just see them, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> the one, the, their lawyer gets up and says, well, what happened to the body? He says, well, it was stolen by the disciples. And he would say, okay, good. And so the, the other lawyer gets up and says, well, let me get this straight. That's Columbo thing, you know. Uh, something I just don't understand. So the disciples stole the body, right? right? Couldn't you stop them? Well, we were asleep. How do you know it was the disciples if you were asleep? Their argument's gone. That argument won't work. <clears throat> Uh, nearly two millennia later, a guy named Chrysoph Lake in 1907 promoted the idea that uh, what happened then was the women went to the wrong tomb, which we all know wouldn't happen. Women would have stopped and asked directions, right? He, they didn't go to the wrong tomb. If they went to the wrong tomb, why are the guards guarding the wrong tomb? Why did the disciples also go to the wrong tomb? And why didn't the Jewish officials simply take the disciples to the correct tomb when the message got out? Uh, the wrong tomb won't work. Swoon theory, you know this one. Jesus was just uh, uh, kind of passed out on the cross and they took him down before he was actually dead and put him in the tomb in the coolness of the tomb. Um, revived him, he gets up, pushes the stone out of the way and that night walks a seven-mile journey uh, on the road to Emmaus with the disciples. That doesn't seem very likely. The Romans knew what death looked like when they came to Jesus. They saw that he was dead. If he wasn't dead at that point, they needed to get him down off the cross quickly. They would have broken his legs. The quickest way to die on the cross was by suffocation. If you couldn't push yourself up with broken legs, you couldn't get air into your lungs. They knew he was already dead. And so instead, they jabbed the spear in his side and out came blood into water, separated gone that far. Jesus was uh, obviously dead and um, even if he hadn't been in the condition he was, I'm not sure he could have moved that stone out of the way and he certainly wouldn't have been able to walk the seven miles on the Emmaus Road. The swoon theory won't work. Uh, then more recently I guess there's been this uh, uh, liberal theology said that he is raised spiritually and that he is raised in our heart just as our loved ones are raised uh, because they're still in our hearts that, that we know that he's alive because he lives in our heart. Well, this theory doesn't explain an empty tomb either, does it? This theory doesn't explain eyewitnesses to the physical Jesus and, and, and him telling Thomas, come and put your finger here and your hand here. You can't do that if it's just raised in our heart. 
Jesus meets the disciples and they, he, he, he calls them from the ocean and he's cooked a meal for them. He's cooked breakfast for them. And that it doesn't explain someone just raised in our heart. Uh, spiritually raised, it just won't do it either. No theory that man has ever put forward has been able to explain what happened to Jesus' body. There was a lawyer in England uh, back in the 19th century. His name was Frank Morrison. And he decided he, he had heard all these Christians around promoting and he was tired of it. He was going to get rid of Christianity once and for all. He was going to take his uh, trained legal mind and prove that the resurrection could not have happened because if the resurrection didn't happen, Christianity is not true. He knew that. So he set out to disprove the resurrection. But as he got to looking at the evidence, the more he looked at the evidence, the more he became convinced that it wasn't true. And one of the chief things in the evidence for him was he got to thinking about the stone that had been rolled into the, in front of the tomb. And he kept asking, who moved the stone? The evidence completely changed him as he saw that Jesus really was raised from the dead. And so he talks about the book that he set out to write. And he said he called it the book that refused to be written. Instead, he wrote the book, Who Moved the Stone? Talking about the resurrection of Jesus and how it must have happened. I believe that for these reasons, uh, one must conclude that there is overwhelming evidence that what the angels told the women that day, he is not here, he is risen. Jesus Christ is risen. It is for that reason that we too have joy in life because Paul's talking here in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ is risen, then all who are in him are risen with him. And he talks about what it's like when we're risen. And the, the body that we have now won't be the body that's risen. The body that's risen together with him is a glorious body without sickness or sorrow or pain. Truly the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope and gives us joy in this life, but in the life to come as well. Would you pray with me? Father, again this morning, we rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord. And we know that because he is raised from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead as you have promised in your word. And that our resurrection will be, will be raised like his glorious body where sin and death will no longer have any effect. There will be no more sorrow or sickness and pain for the old things have all passed away and everything has become new. Lord, encourage us with these truths this day. We pray in Jesus' name. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.